Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again, there, friends in Whitecaps land, and welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show. For those of you listening on the podcast, this is episode 178. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adam Meisenheimer. We're going to bring an hour of chat on Whitecaps news, and the Whitecaps finally got into competitive action after what seemed like an eternity since the end of last season. Well, when you miss the playoffs, usually it is. Yeah, it kind of is. So we'll talk about that game last Wednesday and the upcoming second leg that's coming up at BC Place this week shortly. But we're going to start off with the big news that, that broke this weekend. Now, if you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio on Sunday, unfortunately we had to record that before the announcement on Saturday night because who makes an announcement of a big trade on Saturday night? Well, the Whitecaps do. And it was perhaps fitting that Giles Barnes was the the player that was involved in that because Giles Barnes arrived at the Whitecaps in the summer, announced on a Saturday night, and he left the Whitecaps, announced on a Saturday night. Big trade with Orlando City. Giles Barnes heading to Florida. In return, Breck Shea heading to Vancouver. So the big advantage of being able to bring you a podcast after the radio show is we can add some extra bits in. And it also gets folk to, to listen to the, the podcast and listen to the show again as well. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to talk a little bit about the Brexit signing, hear from Robbo as well. So this is going to be a, a little bit something extra from the radio show. And we're also going to bring you a chat we had with Jake Narwinski at training on Sunday. And that's going to be something else, a little bit extra in this episode of the podcast. So the Whitecaps clear up a, a little bit of salary, not much cap space wise, but it does mean they don't have to, to make Barnes a DP, but she was going to have to be come March 1st if they hadn't moved him on, because that, that's the day that the rosters have to get finalised for the start of the MLS season. She comes in at around about 200000 less than what Barnes was on, but it's going to be much easier to buy down using Gam and Tam to, to be under that threshold and not be a DP thus leaving open a DP spot for, who knows, Atiba Hutchison or someone else to be coming in, either in this transfer window or come the summer. So what are the Whitecaps getting in Breck Shea? Well, they're getting a player with a lot of MLS experience, hot on the, the back of Freddie Montero joining the club with MLS experience, and, and this is what the Whitecaps definitely lacked last year. They had a lot of talent, but they just didn't have the guys that, that had the experience in MLS, didn't have the experience of getting it done in MLS. 
And Brexit, 149 MLS appearances so far with FC Dallas and Orlando. 22 goals, 22 assists. I mean, that's fantastic. He did get transferred from Dallas over to Stoke City in England, but things didn't go really well for him over there. He ended up being loaned out Birmingham City, Barnsley, and there was some on-pitch issues that that he kind of had. He had some clashes with supporters over there as well. Ended up coming back to MLS, landing in Orlando, and very strangely, ending up from going from a an attacking left winger that we knew how dangerous he was to, to ending up playing left back in Orlando. So when the Shea signing was announced, there, there was a lot of kind of wonderment as to where was he going to fit into Vancouver? In fact, was he even going to end up in Vancouver at all? Or was this trade part of a bigger picture that was going to see him flip to another MLS team in return for something else? Well, got a chance to speak to Carl Robinson at Whitecaps training on Sunday. Asked him about what it was that attracted him to, to bring Breck Shea to Vancouver. Is he going to be here long term? Is he going to be flipped? Where is he seen fitting into the team? And a lot more besides. So let's hear my chat now with Robo. You've got a new addition to the squad. Is it is Thursday too early to get all the paperwork through to have Brexit involved? No. Interesting. Um, what is it that's interested you then about bringing Breck here? I think he's... I've known Breck for a, a number of years. Obviously, I followed his career when he was in Dallas and then he went over to Europe and, you know, had a, a little bit of success here and there and, and floated through a few clubs and come back, obviously, the last two years in Orlando and... You know, he's a strong boy, we know that. He's he's a good size, he's very, very quick. Uh, I don't see him as a fullback. I see him as a wide player or forward player. And, um, you know, my job and my staff's job will be to try and bring out the best of him because he's still only 26, 27. Um, you know, he's played for his country a number of times. And, you know, he's one of these, if we can give him confidence uh, and he can produce on the on the field on a weekly basis, then he should be knocking on that Bruce Arena's door, national team door, to try and get back in that on a regular basis. When the signing came out last night, there was some chat, mainly from American journalists, who yep. think this is part of a bigger thing that you're planning to flip him. That's not the plan. You're planning to have him here as a wake no. up. No, we brought him in to be involved in this group, and hopefully, if the paperwork's done as you said it should be done, Michael, uh, on Thursday. So, um, no, no intention whatsoever. Um, I think sometimes people get caught up in in reading and listening to what other people think and thinking there's other agendas and things like that. And that was just. Within 48 hours, a trade had been produced on the table. Obviously, we wish Giles all the best. I've got a great relationship with Giles. It'll be an opportunity for him to go and play uh, with Jason and Orlando. It opens the door for him, and, and we get a top player as well in, in Breck Shea, so uh, no intention whatsoever. How, how did this signing come about? Like, Did you reach out to Orlando, or were they interested so in the, the, I think every, every week you have about 30 conversations with different managers or GMs about players, and as I said, 99% of them are time wasters. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, people want to know who you're moving and why you're moving them. And, you know, how we tend to work is if we're interested in moving a player or uh, open for another player to come in, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. And, you know, we, we spoke over the last probably week or so. And uh, But it's got serious in the last 48 hours. And again, it's about players playing. Breck's not playing there. Giles hasn't started the season with me, but... Um, you know, I would have been more than happy keeping Giles whatsoever because he's such a great guy and he, he's flexible. But bringing Breck in allows us uh, a little bit more flexibility as well. The thing with, with Breck, like in the past, he's maybe got a, a little bit of a reputation for some of the stuff that he's yeah. 
there's lots of interesting photos, for example, out there of him. Yeah. You've always been big on character with players, yeah. but he seems to have calmed down a lot since he's kind of had his kid and settled yeah. down. I think young players, uh, you know, all over the world in any sport, are, are, are challenged when they get things given to them at an early age, and you know you don't know what's right and wrong. I think when you become a father and you have a family, then it makes you appreciate different things in life. Uh, until you experience that, you can tell the young players what it's like, but they they never really grasp it and get it. And you know, I certainly know that's happened with Brett. Um, again, you, sometimes you've got to learn the hard way. Sometimes you've got to learn bad things before you um, come out the other side. But, well, other than that, Wayne Rooney's got a bad reputation. I'd sign him. True. <laughs> So Robbo there talking all things Brexit. It's going to be interesting to see where he fits in. Hopefully we can get all the international transfer certificate and the Canadian work permit and visa sorted out in time for this game on Thursday. The Whitecaps have to submit their final roster for the New York Red Bull second leg 48 hours before the game. So they have to get that in for 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. Let's just hope the Canadian government and all the powers that be can get everything pushed through in time because it's going to be very important to have somebody like him for that second leg, especially with the suspensions and injuries that, that the Whitecaps have. And of course, we, we addressed it there with Robbo. There, there's been a little bit of history with Breck Shea. It's going to be interesting to see if he has matured or what kind of character, what kind of personality he's going to bring to the Whitecaps. So we will get a chance to hopefully see him in action on Thursday. So let's turn our attention now to the Champions League game and kind of have a look at how things played out on Wednesday night. So the Whitecaps got back to competitive action on Wednesday. First leg of their CONCACAF Champions League quarter-final at New York Red Bulls in New Jersey. one all draw. In front of a pack crowd. Oh, <laughs> it's it was hard to tell who was crowd, who was seat. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of plastic there anyway, either way. But... Fantastic result for the Whitecaps, a one-all draw. Could have been better, could have been a lot worse. Some ups, some downs, we're going to talk about all that. I mean, the big headline coming out of it is, as of right now, halfway through the tie, the Whitecaps have one foot in the final four. Semi-finals await. The crucial away goal from Kakutamani, giving the one-all draw... It's all to play for in the second leg at BC Place on Thursday, but it's also all in the Whitecaps' hands. I personally think going into this game, I was predicting a draw, and I think that, that this was a perfect result, especially with the away goal. I think that's going to be huge for them. Like you said, it could have been worse. There were a number, especially right after the second half started. Yeah, I mean, New York peppered the, the Whitecaps' defence for the first 10, 15 minutes of the second well, half in particular. In the first minute, they earned the penalty. And that could have been really disastrous, but luckily it was one of the worst penalties ever taken. Sasha Clishton. Oh, what a what a bad, bad penalty that was. Uh, it's, I think my dog, Predictapooch, could have taken a better <laughs> penalty. He's, he's way better with the ball, I have to say. Yeah. I don't know. Sasha seemed pretty happy with it after he was smiling quite a bit. I think he was just smiling because he realized how bad that was. Yeah, but... I mean, that could have been bad. That could have got Red Bulls right in it. But it didn't take them much longer to get right in it. Well, but the thing is, it shows how much the history of, of us playing Dead Bull and playing Dead Bull at Dead Bull Arena weighed on them. Because obviously, 
he did not want to go to either side of David Osted because Osted, of course, had the double save yeah. against uh, Bradley, Bradley Wright. Wright Phillips last season, and he or two seasons ago, two seasons ago it was, and so you, you could tell he was like, I need to go in the middle and make play it safe. Osted's gonna jump. I'm gonna go down the middle, but he hit it just so weakly yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so poorly, and oh, oh, and David read it well enough to leave his feet there. And to make the block. Well, David was going to the right side. Ousted was going to the right side. And then he, he had enough time, because it was hit so weakly, that he could stay yeah. there and put his he, leg He had up. enough time to go and get a pie, <laughs> have a quick pee, get back, and get down and save it. it. It was that bad a penalty. And it wasn't really that long ago on the show that I remember us talking about, oh, is David Ousted ever going to save a penalty? He's just not going to be very good at saving a penalty. And now he just seems to be pulling them out left, right, and center. He has become an amazing shot stopper at yeah. penalties. So four now, at least. At least four, possibly more. It felt, to be honest, the call. I understand why it was given, or you know, yeah, I've seen those given before, but it felt like a little bit harsh, especially when you look at other fouls that happened later in the game, yeah. which, which probably could have or should have been given and weren't. But it was great resolve from from David, uh, and great. To, to keep dead ball off, off the scoreboard for as long as possible. Well, and and the, okay, we talked about the oh, the goal that they almost scored, but of course, before the halftime, we scored the goal, um, the Mane goal, and I think that helped uh, build the confidence, which didn't last long because the penalty call, but um, it, it really brought the got him a good lift going into the half, and that was a good set piece off uh, off the corner. Yeah, Kendall Watson got, uh, got got the first touch off the corner, and then Scooter got his head to it, and it went off the yeah. Deadpool player's chest or arm well, or body. I think it was body. shoulder or something like Just that. completely surprised Robles, who was kind of rooted to the spot. Yeah. But it, it capped what was uh, an excellent first-half performance by the Whitecaps. Heading into the game, during our live Mixler podcast that, that we did on Wednesday as well, we talked about we didn't really know what kind of... Whitecaps performance we were going to see were they going to just sit back and try and soak up the pressure hit on the counter were they going to take the game to New York and use the, the pace that they had out wide with Manny and Davies and it was the latter but it wasn't just Manny and Davies the front four definitely the front three with Teixeira in there along with Manny and Davies they interchanged wonderfully mm-hmm. one minute Davies was on the left then he was on the right then he's in the middle same with Manny, same with Teixeira, yeah, and confused we, New York. I think on three separate runs up the pitch at different times, within like five, six minutes, there was a different player. Each each of them, like you said, Davies, Manny, Teixeira. So it, there, that was obviously the plan going in to confuse him, to get different, um, like you get the speed of Manny, you get the shiftiness of Davies, you get the um, also the shiftiness and the kind of speed of Teixeira. So you get a different look almost every time for that that right back or left back. It, it was it was a great tactical plan, and yeah, in those first five to ten minutes, it, it, things were so fluid in a positive way. It it can become too fluid and and not be a good thing. But I think in this game, I think it worked really well. in the first half. It worked really really well, and I think yeah, the New York defense would have to be on their on their toes because they were getting a different look virtually every. Every yeah. rush up field, every I, run up field. And if that's something that the Whitecaps are going to do all season, or at least to start the season until they get kind of fi- found out, I'm looking forward to seeing that because it's, it's hard to defend and no, play No, even if you get found out about that, it's still going to be because you don't it's know yeah. when they're going to switch. You don't know when, that, the, when that, it's going to happen. Great, great the, tactic. And that's the thing too. It wasn't like, assume it, we assume this was Robbo's instructions to the players, but 
it wasn't like Alex Ferguson, who back in the day would like literally the clock would hit the 15 minute mark or the 20 minute mark or whatever, and the wingers would swap sides. You know what I mean? Like this was this like was very, fluid. very, yeah. very fluid. And talking to Robo, we got a chance to to get his audio from after the game. Friend of the show, Jonathan Tannenwald, at the goalkeeper on Twitter, made the journey from Philly to New York for the game, New Jersey rather, and he sent us the audio. So let's hear Robbo's thoughts after that one all draw against Red Bulls. And we're also going to hear some audio from Jordan Harvey and Shannon Williams. Was this what you were expecting against uh, the Red Bulls tonight? Um, even playing field almost out there against uh, two teams that are just about to start their season? Yeah, it's you know it's it's not ideal as as both coaches have spoken about in in preseason pepper, preparation, but it's the same for both teams. I think the effort. I can only talk about my team. The effort, the application, the determination that we put in, especially when down to ten men for the last half an hour, was phenomenal. And uh, if you put the work in, you get the rewards. And today we got a little reward. We know there's a lot of work to do in the game, um, but we're fairly happy. Hey, Carl. Hi. Uh, given the result, a tie on the road, a goal on the road, and the fact, like you said, you know, the last 20 minutes you played with a man down. Yeah. Uh, is this a victory? And you could tell us what the uh, atmosphere of the locker room was uh, like afterwards. Yeah, they, they. If I'm being honest with you, and I think people who know me know I'm honest, uh, they were actually disappointed that we conceded a goal because when you put that work in, and you know, I wouldn't say. It was a great goal from it. It was a cross and it was a little ricochet. And obviously we know then that they've got an actual goal scorer in their ranks and he took his chance. But we maybe dodged a bullet in the, with the penalty. So we were very lucky there. So maybe they deserved their goal. Um, but again, we've, we've been hit with injuries prior to this game. Obviously we've got, there's one or two that will be missing next week as well. So if we're going to go through, we're going to go through against all odds. Uh, and that's what makes this game sweet. I know you said the locker room was disappointed yeah. after this match, but going in 1-1 now to the home leg, have to feel a little bit in control of the series. Uh, no. <laughs> you know, we were in a decent position, but, you know, uh, Red Bulls are a good team and they can score on the road. We know that. Uh, the objective today in our play was to try and get that goal the way we set up we, with our players and personnel. We wanted to attack quickly, and I thought you saw it time and time again. I was actually disappointed that... We only managed to score the one goal because we got into some great situations with overloads of 3v2s and 4v3s and we made wrong decisions. But that's what happens with young players. And you don't criticise them. You get back to work and try and give them pictures to make you know, other decisions. And one game they'll get it right. Today, we got it right at times with the goal, but we obviously got it wrong at other times. But we'll continue to work with them because you know, there's some exciting talent, attacking talent out there on, on our side feel uh, fitness-wise? I know both of you guys preseason, uh, you know, have a little fatigue there at the end, or what did you um, feel? I don't think so. Um, there are times throughout a game where you, I make a run forward playing fullback and you get a little out of breath, but we put in a lot of work this offseason and this preseason, and uh, we had three good games in Portland for that tournament, and I thought it prepared us very well for this, especially um, when we go down a man and we're defending like we did. I felt great about it. What did you feel about your keepers? Uh, you know, just the psyche of uh, a couple years in a row. Just, he loves to obviously stop PKs here in Red Bull. Arena. <laughs> um, I don't think it's just Red Bull Arena. I really think uh, he's been great with penalties uh, since he's come into the Whitecaps. I don't know what he was prior to that. Um, but last game, I think it was Wright Phillips. 
This game is question. I don't think it's a psyche thing. He just reads the game well, and he uh, obviously made a big save for us and kept us in the game. How much of a challenge is the Thursday to Sunday turnaround playing two games in quick succession like that? <clears throat> um, Especially with all the injuries you got right now. Yeah, uh, that's right. I mean, Phillies, honestly, I've been taking this. This, this preseason has gone by so quick. It's been so compact, and we've had a ton of games. And so uh, I've thought about this one. And now that you bring up this question, uh, obviously Philly's right after this next game. Um, but honestly, this Champions League game is the biggest. So we need to prepare for that. I'm sure our uh, manager will put out a lineup to compete and win and try to hopefully get on to the semis. And then you have to refocus and see you know, who's ready, who's fit to go to that Philly game and, and start us off and hopefully get some momentum and carry us through the start of the regular season. The crowd tonight is what it was, and I think people know it's still a growing competition. It's still something that people across MLS are learning about, but we've seen in Canada that it's a competition that has drawn some big crowds and gotten some buzz. What's the talk been like in Vancouver? Are people paying attention to this thing? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I can, I can tell you from um, you know, a resident of Vancouver that it's, it's all over the place and, and fans are knowledgeable of it and understand uh, the magnitude and the importance of this tournament and, uh, you know, the uh, implications. And if we do make it to the semis, um, what a huge thing that is for the organization. So, um, you know, it's not an average fan in Vancouver. I think you have a knowledgeable fan that understands um, what this could do for our club. Shannon Williams, how was tonight for you? It was great. It was great to get my uh, first uh, official minutes in an important match and hopefully, uh, you know, can make a big impact on this team. You talked about having some familiar faces in the locker room. Does that translate, help you on the field, getting settled with these guys? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we have Giles from Houston, uh, AJ and, uh, and Jordan from Philly, and it, it makes everything easier. They're guys that are going to look out for me and uh, show me the ropes as quickly as possible, uh, get me acclimated to, to Vancouver, and that's, uh, that's what you need when you're, when you're moving to a new city and uh, a new country. Not the worst place to live, though, is it? No, uh, it's beautiful. Unfortunately, I've only been there for about seven days. We've been traveling so much, so excited to get back and kind of be there for a good stretch of time, uh, kind of get my bearings a little bit better and, and figure out where I'm going to live and whatnot. How, uh, how good can this team be this year? Obviously, there's some injuries at the moment, but the, the Freddie Montero signing made a lot of news around the league. How, how good can these guys be? This team can be can be you know a contender for for all the all the things that we that we play for Canadian Cup this uh, Champions League the the shield we just have to put everything together we have experienced guys we got guys that played for national teams you know Freddie's a, a big time signing for us uh, it's uh, it's a team that's that's ready to to hit their stride and, and ready to get going and you know if we can uh, keep uh, shutouts in the back uh, I know that our attackers can can do some stuff uh, you saw a little bits of, of spurts from, from Kakuda and, you know, the 16-year-old tonight. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a bright future for the club, and I'm excited to be on it. Last question, how, how much of a test is the Thursday to Sunday turnaround? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a tough one, but uh, we've worked extremely hard in preseason. Uh, if anybody worked harder than us, then, uh, you know, I, I feel sorry for them. So uh, it, uh, it's going to be a good test for us, and, you know, we'll get back, and all, our staff will have us prepared. So Carl Robinson and some Whitecaps there talking about Wednesday's 1-0 draw against the Red Bulls. And, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about Manny's goal just before we heard, heard from Robbo there. But 
New York got back into it in the end in the second half with a fantastic finish from the always dangerous Bradley Wright Phillips. Yes, but it shouldn't have got to that finish because there was a defensive breakdown. You've heard Robert say, Rob say before, but on any goal, there's multiple areas where things are broken down. Yeah. I think one is the tracking back starting on our left side. Yeah, but yeah. then, yeah, then Harvey's not there in enough time to try and cut out the cross or put pressure, right. enough pressure on the guy putting the ball in the cro- into the box. It then lo- appears like uh, Kendall has two men and uh, because Bradley Wright Phillips has sort of dropped off a bit and, and Tim kind of has no one, it sort of looks like. Then you get a lucky bounce. So yeah. the cross comes in and it bounces off the one guy and just falls to right yeah. Phillip who just smashes it into the roof of the net. Which um, Osted wasn't too far away from stopping too. He almost got a hand to it, but it obviously it was yeah. a very hard shot. I mean, Parker kind of swung at the ball as it came in. Right, and right. I just don't feel he reacted quick enough off the rebound, but obviously wasn't expecting the rebound like that. But so if you look at that, the holding midfielder that. was late coming yeah. back yeah. to it. I mean, Usually Tyler was... Because later on in the game, there wasn't a similar cross from the other side, and Laba did get back and covered yeah. for Nowitzki, who swiftly. It, it looked like it looked like Parker's miss swing was also because he was trying to like figure out what was going on with positioning because of there were the two guys that were yeah. sort of in the area. And on the whole, though, the defense wasn't horrible. No, it's not the worst we've seen, which might be their tagline for the this season. I don't know, <laughs> but I mean they they did do better. Jake Nerwinski didn't have as tore as a time. As he had against Portland, but did give up a PK. He did give up the penalty. He, hopefully that doesn't play in his mind too much. It was a big risk starting a rookie for his first pro start in one of the biggest games that the club's going to play the whole year. You do have to wonder if it's because Shane and Williams wasn't ready to go the whole 90, yeah. or did Nerwinski just earn it with his preseason play? Well, against Portland, he, uh, I think uh, Williams came on in the last 15, 20 minutes or so. In this game, he came on in the last 15, I think it was 75th minute when he came on. So obviously, clearly he probably isn't fit, um, or else I think he would start. But when he did come on, it seemed like they solidified a little bit better the back line, and there, weren't, well, there were less errors at that time. But they had to solidify too because you got that red card. Yeah. I think of the seventh minute, about twenty minutes left. Swinging legs uh, yeah. with Parker to share a with swinging our, appendages. Yeah, other people's appendages. Straight in the nutsack. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, it, it looked like yeah, he was reckless. You you got to be responsible for your body, for your feet, your cleats, whatever, your your boots, and it looked like yeah, he was a bit reckless. And then it looked like even Sal Zizzo's kicking motion or. It kind of like it, almost like it. It helped. It directed. It, the yeah, leg it, up it into helped. His goal it goal. helped uh, to Cher's foot aim it higher on his body. I mean, it's a big loss losing to Cher to that red card, and Hurtado picked up a yellow that's going to see him suspended in yeah. the next game. There'll be no Churchado. No, and I mean that's been the, the two guys for for all your criticism of them over the last season. That's the two guys that's really lit it up for the Whitecaps in this tournament. So I mean, it is a big blow. Trying to put a positive spin on it, they'll be back for the semi-final. Yeah, it it was a performance. I mean, I didn't know what to expect from this game because you're you're having two teams in pre-season form. Neither team up to scratch, up to full fitness. In a lot of ways, and I ask Kyle Robinson this: you, if you watched his video before he went to New York on the Whitecaps website, I asked Kyle Robinson about: is it kind of disappointing to have another MLS team? But on the flip side, is it a good thing because you're both in pre-season form? And yeah, it's a bit of both. I was kind of surprised how good the game was, at least in the first half. It, it did dip a bit in the second. 
And then after the red card, the, the white caps were just happy to kind of see it out, I think. But it wasn't as, as poor a performance as, as I thought it might be. But we know the tournament, the timing of it is going to change. But it, it's ridiculous that both teams only had a matter of weeks to, to prepare for this. Yeah, and there's so we we talked earlier about you know we've had this long off season and it's kind of you've heard Bravo talk about this I think in some of his uh, in some of his interviews and stuff it, it's this this awkward thing where they're only allowed to have the players in at a certain time because of the the union rules which is really kind of difficult for a team when you go out of the you go out of the playoffs or you 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 don't qualify for the playoffs so your season's done the last week in October and then you have this. I mean, players will come and maybe do some training or whatever. They have some postseason stuff. But this year, it did not last very long. So you have this huge offseason, and you're not able to get ready for this massive competition to represent your club. And I think MLS feels like they want their clubs to represent them well in this. And so it just seems really counterintuitive that we're only allowed to bring in the players that second last weekend in January to get ready for these games like a month later. Like, it's... It's like crazy. I know in other places around the world, when your off season, yeah, has to be is usually six weeks or whatever. Like for Germany, for example, your off season is usually something like let's say six weeks. If you're in a major tournament, you're guaranteed three weeks off, no matter when you go out and you join the you join the side late. But like there's like a set like amount of time, and uh, but it's always with a mind of okay, when is the the next competition starting? Right? It's not some kind of I don't know arbitrary thing. Now I know obviously Dead Bull went further in the MLS Cup playoffs into November, so they had, let's say, three weeks or, or four weeks or whatever less time off than, than we did. But it, it still would make more sense for MLS and the players' union to say, okay, uh, you ha- need to have six or eight weeks off for sure no matter what, but if you're in the Champions League, you can start earlier. And with the way the, the Champions League is, is going, is, with a new format for next year, we're going to be the sides from MLS – are going to be joining in, yeah. in February, and so, so I mean they could be out a lot earlier, exactly, in the tournament than, than we've seen. It's very likely that they'll be they'll be the, the seeded team and they'll be playing a quote unquote weaker side. But still, their first games are yeah. going to be at this time. Every, it's going to be a weaker year. side though that is in in mid season form. I mean anything can happen there. So something they need to if they believe the play, in this, the players would want to come back totally. early. And you yeah. and you have players who are you could see they're they're getting ready early on their own, or maybe they're getting ready. Early yeah. in small groups or whatever, but like by the rules, they are not allowed to have them in until a certain time, and so something needs to be looked at like that. Like, well, they need so to, if you whatever you, the next agreement is up, they need to make the exception you know, for Concacaf. Yeah, but okay, you can wait to the next agreement, or you can do something now. Well, MLS, 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 you, union MLS. No, but the union allows for certain things like TAM, right? They want they want to have the teams be better. They want to have them bring in better players. They want them to do better in this competition, so that you have something like TAM. Surely you could go to the players' union and say, "Hey, th- what can we talk about these parameters? Because they're hurting us in this area." It just seems very unfair to the players, the coaches, and the clubs, and it doesn't help the league. I mean, e- even as well, like if the Whitecaps do get through to the semi, they're still not going to be in tip-top shape for for facing a really tough Mexican side. And a- after the the first leg of that game between Tigres and Pumas, it finished one all. Still don't really know who the Whitecaps would face in that semi-final. But either way, you're facing a team that that's really, really in a stronger shape than the Whitecaps are just now. Yeah, they've each played, at this point, they've each played like seven league games in their Clausura. Yeah. 
Still a lot to play for, can't take anything for granted, but the Whitecaps head into the second leg at BC Place on Thursday night in a really good position. Have to feel confident that they can get the job done. We've seen some horrible second legs, though, for the Whitecaps in recent years in various competitions, but the good thing about it is New York have to chase the game now, because as things stand, if it finishes nil-nil, the Whitecaps are through. Even if New York do get an away goal, if the Whitecaps score first or if the Whitecaps score after that, it cancels it out, so it's still all to play for. So, I mean, the Whitecaps are going in strong, just have to hope they can get the job done. That's the crucial thing. When you look at the the loss to uh, the impact in the 2013 uh, Voyager's Cup Final, the loss to Toronto in this 2016 Voyager's Cup Final, or the 2015 uh, MLS Cup uh, quarterfinal or whatever loss to Portland, all three, we didn't score a goal on the road. Uh, 0-0, we lost 1-0 to Toronto and 0-0 against Portland. This time we have an away goal which is just helpful from a morale and a mentality standpoint. So the Whitecaps had a couple of days off training after the the first leg in New York. They were back on the pitch on Sunday up at UBC. They're going to be training on Monday and then have Tuesday off and then train on Wednesday as well. Cal Robinson spoke to media after training on Sunday, just kind of talked a little bit about the the game. And the the first question to, to really ask Robbo was... Does it feel like they, they have that one foot in the semi-final already? Or at least have the upper hand in the game heading into the second leg? Let's hear what he had to say. We've got the away goal, which is always nice. I think in the last double-headed series that we had against Portland, we didn't have the away goal. So, uh, But we know there's a lot of work to do. They're a good team. Um, it's early on in the season. We're a good team. We know that. We have to be solid and disciplined. And um, you know we know we can score goals as well. So it's, it's going to be an exciting game. Will New York be patient, take their time? Will they attack you right off the top? Do you know what? I've got no idea. Uh, and that'll be down to Jesse and his coaching staff, how they want to plan. I know that our preparation will be spot on. Uh, we'll have a game plan like we did in New York, um, prepared. And then it'll be down to the players to go and relay that. What about a good result in this game? Did that? How does that set up for the rest of the MLS season? Yeah, it's you know there's a couple of ways you look at it. Obviously, it's the next game, so you want to try and get uh, the next win, uh, get a win under your belt. Obviously, we play a couple of days later, but that's at the back of my mind and the players' mind at the moment. So, um, you know, if you're in the competition, it's good. There's extra games, there's extra travel, um, but it's a it's an opportunity for us to qualify to the semi-finals of the Champions League, which we've never done before in the history of the football club. So, it's an opportunity we don't want to lose. So Robbo there just talking about the Whitecaps' chances in the second leg on Thursday. Obviously not wanting to exude too much confidence because you you don't want to piss off the opposition that way by, by sounding too cocky. But you have to definitely feel that they've got one foot in the semi and it's really all in their hands and, and all to play for. Hopefully there's going to be a good crowd turnout on Thursday night to see it. We'll just have to see how that plays out. And the last thing to, to kind of talk about that as well is if the game goes into extra time, the away goals rule is out the window, so then it really is all to play for. And then, who knows, penalties could even be coming. Okay, so why don't we do predictions now? Right now, I'm in the lead because I got the first one right. Although we're not probably going to stop keeping track once I start losing. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you guys think of the results on Thursday? What result do you have and do you have the Whitecaps going forward, go, going through? I think it's going to be another one all draw in normal time. 
And I think the the White Cats will get it done on penalty kicks. I think I'm going to stick with my prediction from the first game, and it's going to be two one to Vancouver. I think uh, I think we have the momentum. I think we have a good, not not as good as away, but we have a good home record against Dead Bull, uh, even though our last game was our only defeat to them. Uh, and I really think we're going to get the job the, the job done at home. Yeah, I got the Whitecaps winning one nil. So a confident bunch, but we all three of us feel the Whitecaps are going to go through. We'll look at how that played out in next Sunday's show. Of course, the, the big absence from that game on Wednesday and the big absence, which is now going to be for months, was Peruvian playmaker Jordi Reyna out with a broken fifth metatarsal in, a, in his foot. As prescribed by um, uh, Dr. Zach. Meisenheimer. It, it was obvious when he went down, the way he went down, that that, that was... Most likely, what he had done—he'd broken a metatarsal. Even the way he hobbled off the pitch, it was—it was, it was he's wheelchaired off. Of, uh, well, eventually, eventually yeah, he was wheelchaired yeah. off. But the way he hobbled to the sideline. Yeah. But th- it, it should take a normal person who's not an athlete. It should take like six to eight weeks to recover from this. Uh, so you take those six to eight weeks. That's roughly two months. And then on top of that, you gotta rehab. Uh, the, the the foot and your the muscles in your yeah, leg. You want to get the strength back. You want to be yeah. able to put weight on it. You want he wasn't at full match fitness when the injury happened. And then you got yeah. Then you got to get match fit on top of that. So that's why they're saying it, early summer. summer. So we're looking probably end of June, start of July. Optimistically June, but I think realistically we're probably talking July. So he'll be that mid season signing that we've yeah haven't had <laughs> for a long time. But. It's a big loss at the, in the number 10 role because right now that number 10 spot's ravaged by injuries. Yeah. You, you've got Reyna out, you've got Belanius that's out with a, a pain in his knee that they just can't get to the bottom off and it looks like he's going to be weeks and weeks away before before he comes back. And then Nicholas Mosquita as well, he's out, he has a hip injury. He's going to be the closest but he's not going to be good to go, I don't think, for this game on Thursday. And then you got to tear O2 with the card for the upcoming game, at least, and that's going to hurt for, against the Red Bulls in the second leg. And Hurtado out as well. Yeah, and so it, it's you're right. You're wondering who's going to be playing in that spot. Um, hopefully Montero's back, and that makes a little I, bit... Uh, Montero's ready to go, actually. I, I don't think Arloni is going to be able to start the game. I think he will be in the 18 and be used as a substitute. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see uh, Scooter, uh, Fonzie, and... Maybe Barnes in the middle, uh, if Barnes is not up top. But uh, yeah, it's. But Greg could be playing up top. Greg could be playing up top with Barnes in, with Barnes underneath him. Maybe Bustos shows up and Mark, plays his natural position. That would be glorious. I mean, look, looking past this Thursday's game, the injury to Reyna with the MLS season starting a week today, it does leave us with a a big hole to fill as to what we're going to do moving forward, like. Belanius was the guy that they were thinking was possibly going to fill in a little bit there. Then they brought in Montero, so they're looking at a Reina Montero partnership, kind of interchanging a little bit. But with Belanius out, with Reina out, do the White Caps make a panic addition now? And to do that, they're going to have to free up some cap space and roster space, so they're going to have to move someone on. But do they try and bring in a proper number 10 as a kind of gap filler till the summer? I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening either. I mean, I don't know if the question's been asked or, or if it's been answered in full, but uh, I know March 1st is roster compliance day, obviously, but uh, 
what do we know the status of uh, David Edgar? Is, is he been? Oh, is he, he's going out for months. No, but they, is they, he going to be used? There's a you can get cap relief if I, the player's not going to play. Oh, you can get cap relief if the player's not going to play for the season. Yes. but they're they're targeting him to be back September, maybe even August. That was the initial plan. So unless they decide to write him off for the season, which I don't think they will. Because if you do that, you then have to add another centre-back. Yeah, then you're stuck there too. Um, although you could add Sam DeWitt, De who's yeah. injured himself just now, but he right. should be back soon. Or Francis De Vries, the, the draft pick. But looking at it, it's just a, it's a bit of a mess. And it's, it's come at a horrible time. All you can really hope for is... like When the Whitecats get all their guys back in the summer, they've got a really strong-looking lineup, Especially if the rumours about maybe adding someone like Atiba Hutchinson in the summer just to kind of fill out the, the team even more. I mean, from July onwards, we could be doing a Seattle, we could be doing a Portland, and that we could be having a really strong late-season push. Yeah, and that's why we might have to tread water for yeah. now. But it, it's that spell up until then yeah. that we have to stay in the mix. Yeah, and that's and that's where the, that's what's going to be tricky, obviously, is you look at, especially Seattle last year, you look at, especially at LA in previous years, who have had horrendous starts to seasons, and then from June, July onwards, they play lights out and, and have great runs. You're right, though. We do have this hole. You know, listening to Robo talk, he, he's talking about bringing in another player. It sounds like it'll be a, a central midfield player. And so, yeah, with, with that not happening yet, and with Reina down, it's... Yeah, the holes, the holes in our depth are everywhere, right? Yeah, essentially, uh, my feeling is right now they're they're gonna have to play lights out uh, defending. They are not. They're gonna have to play complete mistake free defending in order to have any chance into these games. Yeah, good luck and, with that. Well, the the thing is, is yes, Wednesday we had a few issues because uh, of the because uh, there was l- lack of backtracking, especially on the goal uh, from and the defending on the left side. But overall, I don't think we played horribly defending. I think the probably the weakest points was the right back spot where uh, Jake made his debut. But you got Wayne Williams ready to come in. Hopefully, he'll be ready to go by the beginning of the season, and that might be uh, what we're looking for. And that if that back four with those two uh, midfielders in front can be solid in front of that uh, goalkeeper. I think they have a chance to maybe hit some counterattacks, and they're gonna have to play like that, isn't it, for most of the year? So people are gonna be not gonna be enjoying the football, but hopefully get the results out of it. Yeah, it would be surprising to not see Williams as the starting right back. Oh, it will, yeah, potentially as early as this coming Thursday. And of course, we've got the the Champions League game second leg this Thursday. Three days later, the MLS season kicks off. Philadelphia Union are heading to BC Place, and in a lot of ways, it's it's not. The most glamorous first kick game. If you were going to pick opponents, you don't really want a team like Philadelphia. On the flip side, though, you're getting a weak team a couple of days after a grueling Champions League game. No, well, you don't want like your biggest rival in the opening kick. Because uh, honestly, you, you could sell that game later on in the year. The thing is, you don't. You're going to sell out the Philadelphia game for the Whitecaps at least. And so the excitement's already there for the opening game. That that opening game, say it was like like in the past years, Montreal or TFC. Those games will, will will come later on in the year, and so that game will be you know a, a sellout in the summer when maybe you don't have that. Here's the thing: I I don't know how much we've talked about this in the past. I totally agree with you, Steve. First kick in itself should sell itself. Should be a big game. Return to play. Return to the league. 
However, we have been, as supporters, we've been told that they've needed it to be a big team in order for it to sell out in the past. And this year, I'm guessing the only reason that they were comfortable with it not being Seattle, Portland, uh, Montreal, Vancouver, or a New York team is because they had we have we do have the Champions League matches, and I think they were hoping that uh, a good result in the Champions League will enable them to do a good number, uh, a sellout ideally for for a first kick against Philadelphia. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you in part, Michael. About it's nice to play, you know, a a, a team that didn't do amazing last year that wasn't awesome last year but i don't know if i'd say philadelphia is weak uh i'd say they have some they have some question marks weakest teams weaker in mls weaker right and they might be feeling the same about playing oh yeah they will be yeah they're (laughs) playing a a western conference team that didn't make the playoffs and is injury riddled and playing three days after a champions league game so yeah i don't i i i I think it's going to be a, a stern challenge, honestly. Do you see Carol Robinson making a, a lot of changes from the lineup that goes out on Thursday to the lineup that goes out on Sunday? I don't or know. is. I mean, the players should be fit enough to go two games in that period of time, but. I, I, th- I think he's got no choice. I think he's going to have to go with a similar lineup because there won't be that many options. No, Tichera no, can't play, Hurtado can't yeah, play. Yeah, I'm sure those guys think, will come yeah, in, but I'm talking Wost, about Waston's out as well, because Waston's out, suspended. so Dean's going to play, for sure. So there's three players. I would not be surprised if three other guys who are not starting on on uh, the Thursday do start on the Sunday. I think there will be... I think we you should expect at least half the team to be different uh, with the short turnaround and with the different suspensions and injuries that we have. Well, it's certainly going to be a, a test of Whitecaps' depth early on. And we'll, we'll be back next Sunday to, to talk about how that played out. So from a player that didn't play on Wednesday and is going to be out this Thursday to a, a guy that made his pro debut on Wednesday, Whitecaps right back Jake Norwinski. Now, Norwinski, as we all know, was the Whitecaps' first pick in this year's MLS Super Draft. And he impressed in Wales. Shannon Williams wasn't fully fit yet so we're still doing a little bit of rehab and Nerwinski got three starts in the three matches in Wales took that opportunity well played really well in the games also got some time down in Portland started the last game in Portland in the Rose City Invitational Tournament and we talked about it in the last episode of the show that we thought that was a little bit surprising because we, we didn't think he was going to get the start in the Champions League game in New York and then lo and behold, Robo did surprise us by giving Narinsky that start. Played on the right-hand side with Alfonso Davis above him. And the two of them together, they had some issues when they were playing in Portland. They were kind of ripped apart a little bit. And it's something I spoke to Robo about. And basically, Robo said, as, as you'll hear me talking to Jake about in a second, was, look, these are young guys. They're going to make mistakes. Some games are going to be great. Some games are not. You live, you learn, you improve, you get better. That's basically what football is all about. So I got a chance to speak to Jake Norwinski after Whitecaps training on Sunday. And this is another one of the extra bits that we're bringing you in the podcast that we didn't have time to bring you in the CITR radio show. Here's Jake Norwinski.
So it's kind of it's been a whirlwind start really to, to your pro career. When when Robo drafted you, he told us that he felt you were MLS ready, and a lot of coaches always say that, and the, the proof is like when we see you. But we saw you in Wales; you looked really good down there, and then. To, to get your pro star in the Champions League during the week, did you expect things to go this quick? Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't think it would go this quick, but, you know, coach, the coaches talked to me. They said, you know, you're competing day one, so for that right-back position. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to get that first start and in a pretty intense game and that, at that, you know. Champions League against Red Bulls back in my home state, so it was a, it was a pretty special experience. And do you feel, like some guys when they come in, like especially the guys from college, we've talked to them, they find the, the speed of the game in particular in training is like way more than they're expecting. Do you feel like you fit right in and you've just kind of hit the ground running? Yeah, you know, um, I went to University of Connecticut and our coaches there, you know, they really get guys pro ready. We've had a lot of pros in the MLS. We have, you know, four or five in there right now playing and I think... Going there really helped me make that leap a little bit smaller, but you know the speed of play is different, the training is different, but I think I definitely had a leg up on some other guys coming in. And it's quite uh, a mixed group, really. There's a lot of young guys, but defensively-wise, it's a lot of experienced guys. You've got Shannon, obviously another right back as well, and then you've got like David Edgar, although he's injured, but mm. and Kendall. What have those kind of more experienced guys taught you so far? They have they've helped me every step of the way. You know, Shannon. I know we're competing for a spot, but he's a great guy. He's helped me with you know positioning, how to look up in the field, just all these like little things. Because you know he's been in the league for seven, eight years, so he kind of knows what's going on. So he's been helping me. Kendall's been helping me through the way, and uh, Jordan Harvey too. So they've all been great so far. Now the the game on Wednesday, um, obviously you give away the penalty, but apart from that, it's like you had a good good out and out there. Was there nerves, or did they go away pretty quick? Yeah, I, th- you know, walking out to the stadium, first getting there, it was a little, you know, surreal. But once the once the whistle blew, it was just, you know, the same game that I've been playing my whole life. So, yeah, you know, uh, something I asked Robo last week was like the, the Portland game with yourself and Alfonso playing on that wing. When you've got a young guy in front of you, he maybe doesn't go back as 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 often as a veteran or doesn't read the game. And Robo acknowledged that, mm-hmm. but he said he's he's all for it. He says you'll make mistakes, you'll. You'll have great games. Some games you won't have great games. Superior together. To, to hear that from a coach, it must like ease some of the pressure on you because it's like he's expecting you to make mistakes. So he's he's not expecting you to go out there and be perfect oh, every it, single game. No, yeah, definitely. You know, <laughs> to have a coach that wants you to be perfect every game, that's it's kind of hard to yeah. live up to. And you know, he's been he's been great so far to me. He's been you know helping me, supporting me. You know, when I if I get my head down sometimes in training, he's like, it's fine. You know, we're gonna this is what you're here for. You're gonna learn. You're gonna get better. So he's been good so far. So from, from what you've seen just with your training and everything so far, what do you feel in your game that you still need to work on? What's your biggest areas of growth? Uh, I would say probably my positioning. You know, sometimes I get caught too far inside, sometimes I get caught too far outside. So, you know, I've been working with uh, Pa a lot on that and uh, Coach Purdy. So, you know, we're working on that to get better. The, the game that's coming up this Thursday, the second leg against New York, right now... White Caps one foot in the semi-final. You obviously can't look too far ahead. Mm. That away goal was massive yeah. in New York. The, the chance to make history with this club and the chance to possibly face Mexican opposition. I mean, that must just be so exciting for you. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's our motivation to make history. You know, that's what they say every day before we start practice. Like, let's do something that hasn't been done before, and that's what everybody wants to do. You know, make history, be be remembered. So that's kind of what's keeping us going right now. And you've probably not had much of a chance to, to see Vancouver yet, but I mean, how have you found the city so far? 
Uh, it's, it's beautiful. It really is. You know, I, we had a few days off the last two days, so I went out and exploring, you know, see the water, the mountains. It's just, it's a great place. It really is. It's ideal. That's great. Thanks so much, Jake, hey, and good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you. That's great. Thanks. So Jake Narwinski there, and it's great that we've gone from last season where right back seemed to be the, the big, big problem issue on the defence, although the whole defence at, at times was a bit of a problem issue, but we've gone from that to having two very good right backs, in my opinion, and it, it's great to see that for this year. Hopefully that's going to help show the defence up a little bit. Still some concerns, as we kind of saw in that New York game, about maybe some defensive lapses here and there. But it's a positive start, and that's all we can hope for in February. I mean, we've still got a long, long way to go. But Jake Narwinski seems a very, very good draft pick. Robo said he felt he was MLS ready, and he's true to his word, and he's given the guy the chance. And full credit to Narwinski, he's grabbed it with both hands. So now it's time for our wavelength section of the show. This is the section where we play a football-related song by a proper band. So not a football chant, an actual song by an actual band. And this week... You'll be glad to know I've kind of moved out of the 80s and I've gone to 2003. It's a big jump. It's a good year, though. Yeah. English pop trio I Ludicrous. They're a, a band that's had a career from the early 80s. So still an 80s Yeah, band. so still an 80s band, <laughs> really. And they, they've reformed recently as well. But they've done a, a number of different football songs over the year. We're going to bring you one just now. And I think it's a very apt one for how the Whitecaps are going to be this season. Even last season as well. There was a lot of calls last year when things weren't going well for Robo to get the subs on. Yeah. And that's, that's a common sh- sort of shout at football. Get the subs on. So the the band wrote a song about that. It's called Bring On The Substitute. And it's just about bringing on a young player off the bench to kind of show the old ones how to get the job done. So this is from I Ludacris's 2003 album, The Museum of Installation. You can also find it on their compilation, 20 Years in Show Business, that came out, it's a double CD that came out in 2007. So let's hear now from I Ludacris, and this is Bring On The Substitute.
sparrow's thighs. On the substitute there from I Ludicrous from their 2003 album The Museum of Installation. And like I said, they had a number of football songs over the years, so we're going to bring you a lot of those down the line. Interesting thing that happened after last week's show we played the song Love on the Terraces by Serious Drinking, yeah. and I didn't expect to then have a Twitter conversation with the guitarist of the band the next day. Yeah, no, I saw that uh, somebody meant to tweet. Uh, yeah, Aiden, Aiden Rantoul found him on Twitter. Yeah, pegged him into yeah. the conversation that he followed the thing and he saw yeah, it. Yeah, then we had a chat about yeah. it. So that, that was a, a fun and unexpected thing that, that happened out the show. But hey, anything can happen here it's, at AFTN. Uh, the music and football, it's a small world. And as we always say, for us at AFTN, football and music go hand in hand. Had a lot of chats on Twitter this week, actually, about football songs and music and different things. And Russell Beresford at Squad Player on Twitter, must follow Twitter account, really great sense of humour as well. A guy that we keep meaning to have on the show as well, but we've just never got him on yet. But I mean, we were chatting about that as well, and he was saying just how intertwined in the past football and, and music was. And it was especially in the 80s and when the fanzine scene came out in the in the UK back then. A lot of fanzines, including AFTN Away From The Numbers, named after songs. We're named after a song by The Jam, uh, a B-side from, from that mod band. And it just, yeah, it went hand in hand. We used to give away a free music fanzine insert that we wrote called Ultracore, just about the Fife music scene. And I just think it goes hand in hand. People are really enjoying this section. So we've got a lot of great songs to come. So for this final segment of the show, we're going to turn our attention away from the Whitecaps MLS team and look at the USL team, WFC2. Now, there's a, a big announcement last week. After is, it, is this team moving? No, nope, that, that's the other big announcement. <laughs> oh. that's, that's probably going to be in a year's time we'll be talking oh. about that. 
Head coach Alan Koch left for Pastures New in Cincinnati in, in December. Since moving there, he's <laughs> he's become the head coach of Cincinnati. So, folks thought it was a little bit strange when Alan first upsticks to to lose a head coaching role to be an assistant coach, albeit one that was also scouting head director and stuff like that as well. But it's paid off for Alan. He's now the head coach at FC Cincinnati. And the Whitecaps had a lengthy process of looking to, to find his replacement. So the Whitecaps finally made their announcement on Monday. New head coach is a promotion for Whitecaps residency under 18 coach Rich Fagan. And... Rich Fagan fought off a, a lot of competition. There's a, a lot of people interested in the position, some with more experience than him. Whitecaps 2 assistant coach Pamadou Ka was kind of in the running. Former Whitecaps player from the USL days of bygone years and former Ottawa Fury assistant coach Martin Nash, he was also in the running. He's our captain. He's our captain. He's our captain. He was our captain. Yeah, true. Um, and also Tommy Wielden from Calgary Foothills was in the mix, which would have been interesting with the rumours that swirled about the team possibly moving to Calgary at some time in the future. But Rich Fagan was the man that got the job. Um, I'm delighted for it. We've got a little bit of continuity. Uh, I know there's been some kind of mixed reactions to it. Steve, you kind of wanted maybe a little bit of a different face. Oh, I like Rich Fagan as a coach. I, thought, I think he's done an awesome job with the U18s. Um, I don't really have a serious problem with it, but sometimes you want that different voice in there. But I guess in a way, maybe that wasn't probably what the Whitecaps were looking for. Because like they've said in the past, that they like having from the U14 level all the way up to the senior level, they want everybody playing the same way. So in a way, it kind of makes sense. So I've kind of turned around on it, but I still think that it would be nice to have different voices in uh, during the developmental process. Yeah, it's it's nice to see that there is kind of a pyramid to the to how things are working. Not yeah, just for the, not that, just for the that's players. what I like. Yeah, yeah I, I, like I said, I don't. I wasn't like like completely against it, but there was just like a feeling that you know it was. I think having like a guy like Allen who came from SFU kind of gave it a different people. You, you learn yeah, better true. when you're you, when yeah. you're getting different vibes going along the same road. Like you're still you're still learning the same pyramid, but it's a different it's a different voice. Basically, that's all I wanted. The thing with, with Rich Fagan as well is he's been involved with the club since 2010. He's had like guys like Caden Chung, Tommy Gardner, Davy Norman, the Baldissimos. He's worked with them since they were like 9, 10 years old. He's moved through the club from the Prospects programme to under 14, under 16, under 18. Yeah. He took the under 16s to USSDA quarterfinal for the first time in the club's history to the under-18s, to the USSDA Championship game last year for the second time in their history. And if if decisions had been made to release players, for example, like Alfonso Davies that, that we talked about in our extra podcast, that might have made the difference and that the Whitecaps could have been crowned under-18 national champions, so mm-hmm. he would have had that on his resume. Yeah. But he's done he's, well with his group. He knows the group inside and that, out. That's the good thing about yeah. it, that he knows what's coming up. So he's worked with these guys before. So in a way, it's probably, it probably was the right decision. Yeah, because I think that's one of the one of the things about Alan's time is that I think he, he also wanted to develop players that he brought in, right? And I think with a, an internal guy, we have someone who I think will have more of a determination to develop players that were already developing. 
Not that not that Alan did none of that, but I think it'll be exponentially more with with uh, well, with Craig. That's another thing we were mentioning. Before. Sorry, Rich with Rich. This is another thing we were mentioning before we started recording that I personally think that winning with older players is useless when you're in a developmental is a developmental league. I'd rather win with young players and get those young players on the pitch. You could have an older player here and there to steady the team, but have, I want like a lot of youth on the WFC two team. Yeah, I, 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 I'm okay with that. I, I think, yeah, you want development. Uh, it is difficult. I don't know if you, you guys follow, you know, Montreal FC or, you know, uh, and how and how they did. They took like a, they were playing like U18s all the time and getting smashed yeah, the first year. Yeah, that's fine. Then, but they're learning. Those kids are learning right, at that level. Right, well, then, yeah. But you can also say Whitecaps too, learn because we got smashed in the first year and then Alan turned it around in year two. But a lot of that was just through better recruitment and having longer with the team. Because yeah. when Alan Koch yeah. took over, he took over in February, obviously as has Rich Fagan, and didn't have much time to put the squad together. But that was a first-time squad. Rich is inheriting a squad. and although, Seven players? Well, although it's not all, all the players haven't been announced, there's a number of players signed that, that haven't been announced. Some old faces returning, some new faces altogether, some faces that we'll have seen on other teams as well. But before we come to, to talk of how Whitecaps 2 might do this year, I got a chance to catch up with Rich Fagan at Whitecaps 2 training on Tuesday, so let's hear our chat with him now. Uh, so, Rich, does it feel any different being out there? Same group of players that you're used to with a lot of them, but does it feel any different being at the different level? Uh, I mean, what I would say is the tempo is it's, it's much quicker. Uh, there's there just seems to be a little bit more kind of in, intensity in, in in the players and, and how they approach things. Not to say that in the the residency they're not focused and, and they're not professional, but how they approach things. But there's just, it's just it's just amped up a little bit more. You've been with the club since since 2010 it's been like a natural progression for you through the ranks did this just feel like a just a natural fit for you yeah it did I mean they've been supportive of me since day one I mean anytime there's been an opportunity they've they've looked internally first not to say that they haven't looked outside obviously but um, they've, they've always given me a fair chance and it's been up to me to to make good of it when, when Alan announced that he was leaving in the middle of December like right away, did you know you wanted the job? No, if I'm being honest, it didn't cross my mind until maybe, until maybe later on. Um, but after speaking with Gordon and, and, and Carl and, and the other first team staff, Martin, um, we, we thought it could be a, a possibility. Something which I'm kind of working on down the road is the fact that the Whitecaps are very unique, not just in MLS, but kind of really in North American soccer right now, in that it's a, it's a UK coaching staff. And like your appointment as well at high level, but even when you're at the 18s and then Adam and then Ernie at 14s as well, does it just feel a more natural kind of culture with you all being from the same country, same kind of page, I guess? If I'm honest, I don't know if I've necessarily thought about it. I mean, it's there. It's obvious for sure. But I mean, I think uh, I'm not sure if that's why we've created uh, the culture that we have. I mean, it's a good one, but uh, I'm not necessarily sure that's why. Now, you, you know a lot of these guys. You, you've been with guys like Caden and 
uh, Tommy, Davy Norman, since the prospects days, and you've kind of moved through them through the ranks. Having a chance now to coach them at this level, it, it must like the familiarity must have played a big part in you, you getting the job. But how how much are you looking forward to to seeing these guys push now at this next level? They're at an age in, in their development now where they're ready to step in and, and make a difference, and I think that's the important thing. Um, they can make a difference, and I'll be there's 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 players that are coming up from the residency now that are in the 16s pushing into the 18s, the 18s into this environment. I mean, our residency players are, are ready to to push on and make a difference at the next level. It just takes time. The the squad which we have just now, it's a really young squad. There's some familiar faces. There's a couple of new guys kind of appeared. I know not all the signings have been announced yet either, but. What are you expecting from this team this year? Last year, obviously, you're falling on from a, a team that made it to the Western Conference Championship. Yeah. But I know this team's ultimately about development. Yep. How do you see this season working out? Is it going to be kind of a a bit of a tough slog because it is a young team? Yeah, potentially. But the the young players, as I said, are, are ready to make a difference. They're ready to step up. They want to step into the team and, and they want to be able to make a difference every week. And the, the older guys, the ones that have more experience, have been absolutely brilliant with them. I mean, that's the first thing I noticed yesterday when I walked into the change room was just the, the atmosphere from, from the music to the conversation to, you know, the older guys speaking with the younger players. That makes a huge difference. Um, so, I mean, if, if they have success, which I think they will, that'll be a big part of it. And like the whole Whitecats organisation, with what's happening just now with the academy centres, and you've obviously worked closely with that, I, I was up here, but I saw you were working with, the, I think it was the Alberta Academy. Like the, the whole thing that the Whitecaps have in place just now, you, you look at the Canadian under-20s and like how they've really struggled just now, but the Whitecaps Academy programme must really be one of the ways forward for Canadian soccer. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, we've got a strong influence in, in several provinces now, and they're embracing us, which is great. So, I mean, there's been good coaches have been put in places that are doing good work. I mean, the, the difference in the player from last year to this year, for me, he's even improved. So, I mean, the club's doing a, a good job of, of getting the white caps way out there. And, I mean, Canada can only benefit from it. The whole sort of setup of USL, it's been hard in a lot of ways for the fans to, to really buy into the club, which I find baffling because it's like it's the future of the club here. What would your message be to the fans if they're kind of on the fence as to whether to come out and watch these guys this year? Well, the younger players, the ones that have come through the through the residency programme, they've made up a good uh, portion of the youth national teams uh, leading up to the U17s for, for several years now. They're at the age now where they're graduating into the USL and, and they're ready to make a difference. So if you want to see Canada's best and brightest young stars, I can't think of a better place to, to come and see them play. Thank you so much, Rich. So Rich Fagan there. We always love to have a little bit of Scott and Scott action here on the AFT and Soccer Show. And as I asked Rich there, it's a very kind of unique situation at the Whitecaps. When you look at other teams, not just in Major League Soccer, but in USL, NASL, 
just throughout the game over here in Canada and the US, the Whitecaps stand out because they have primarily an all-UK coaching staff. Mm -hmm. At MLS level, you've got a, a Welshman, a Scotsman and an Englishman, which makes a good joke. Mm -hmm. You also have a Scottish goalkeeping coach now, Stuart Kerr, excellent addition. USL level, you've got Scotsman in charge, Rich Fagan. Yes. Englishman English. assistant, Steve Maidley. Rich was the under-18 head coach. Adam Day, who's English, is the under-16 head coach, who we expect to move up to under-18 level now. Robert Earnshaw, Welshman, under-14 coach, yeah. and I expect him to move up to probably under-16 level. Yeah, hard English. It's just it's a unique situation to, to have over here. And... I, I don't know how Canadian coaches feel about that because are they maybe not getting a chance to coach at a higher level because they're going for guys with an accent? At every level. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think in uh, the Whitecaps talk a lot about developing Canadian players. Uh, yeah, I think it would be fair to question their um, the role they're playing in developing Canadian coaches or lack thereof. Not that they haven't had any Canadian coaches uh, in their development program over the years, or 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 dual citizen Canadian coaches, but I think it's a cyclical thing. I think eventually there will be more Canadian coaches down the road. It's just a matter of being the right time and the right coach. I th oh, I think too it has to do with who is making these decisions or who is influencing these decisions, and one would assume that your head coach of your club, in this case a Welshman, has a large role to play in that. The flip side of all that, though, is that you've got guys that have come from the same background, guys that have grown up living and breathing football. They're on the same page. They have the same kind of playbook. So I think that, that helps the club in that regard. But I do think we'll see, with the way that the academies are, are kind of going across the country, we will see more Canadian coaches starting to, to come through. And from those academies, we're, we're going to see a lot of young players coming through as well. And... It's going to be a really young WFC2 team this season. We won't talk too much about them just now because the season's still weeks away. First pre-season friendly, the first time for guys to really get a good chance to see them playing and what this team might look like this year under Rich Fagan will be on Friday, February 3rd when they take on UBC in a friendly. The following week they also then take on SFU as well up the mountain. But it's going to be a really young team that, that the Whitecaps have and... I don't think we can expect to hit the heights that we saw last year, Western Conference Championship, all that kind of stuff, 10-game unbeaten run to start the season. But it's a squad that will work together, they'll fight together, they're all around about the same age. We might be surprised. These guys are playing for contracts, ultimately. And the thing is, is one thing that no, I don't think we've mentioned yet, is that while they, with them being such a young team, what this does for guys like Marco Bustos and Ben McKendry is puts them in leadership roles. And that will help them in the long term because it, it basically it sets them up for um, a confidence boost or um, a better skill set when they move up to the first team. It will be interesting to see which... You, one would assume that one player will be loaned on a season-long loan. Yeah. With the new roster rules, which I don't know if it's all official or not, but they're going up to 30 from 28 used to be 30, but you can have 30 as long as you've got at least two homegrowns. 
And then there's a mysterious 31st one, <laughs> which can happen if you loan a player for the season to your USL affiliate. And that did exist last year as mm-hmm. the, the 29th guy, which was Marco Carducci. Yeah. Which was never, never announced. publicly announced. Yeah, it's kind of awkward. So hopefully that doesn't happen this year. Hopefully it's very public and everyone knows what's going on. Transparency. Well, I, I mean, I was at Whitecaps training on Tuesday and I was at the Intrasquad game Friday past and Debbie Flores was there. Ben McKendry, Marco Bustos played an intra-squad game. I mean, think that those guys are going to be heavily involved. Spencer Ritchie as well. Yeah. One of them, you have to think, is going yeah. to be the season-long loan. From from your time in Wales, is Davy Flores 100% fit? I think he is. And I say I think he is because we haven't really seen enough of him to, to really tell. To know if he's fit. He, he played the full 90 minutes in the intra-squad game. Oh, right on Friday. Yeah, oh, a couple Friday Friday past, yeah. so... I mean, and he was training fine when I saw him this week. Which is, which is, that's a telltale sign that, I mean, he's fit, but he didn't appear in any of the six preseason games. You have to feel they might want to, to move him back to oh, a, a club in Honduras, somewhere else maybe in Central America, but probably back to Honduras just for another season-long loan. And if you do that, you don't want to have him injured in the game yeah. or like that. So... We'll, we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens with the USL team. We'll bring you a lot of coverage on that over the course of the year on the AFTN Soccer Show. Just want to say congratulations again to Rich Fager on getting the job. It's a guy we've known and talked to for years now. Top guy. And yeah, the, the players really like him. The players really respect him. I mean, Marco Bustos tweeted out how pleased he was to, to see that he got the job. And Marco Bustos played some of his best football in recent years under Rich Fagan and under mm-hmm. 18. So have high hopes as to what he might do for Marco's career this year. Anyway, that's all the, the chat for this week's episode of the show. Just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me, my name is Steve, on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. On Twitter, I'm at Zachary AM and I'm part of the movement Curva Collective. And you can find Curva Collective on Twitter at Curva Collective. And on Instagram... At Curva Collective. At Curva Collective as well. We also have an Instagram account, at AFTN Soccer. Haven't put one thing out from that yet, because I don't really fully understand how Instagram works. But what we do use a lot is Twitter. And you can find me, Michael McCall, on Twitter, at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff online, AFTN.ca, away from the numbers. You can also subscribe to our new premium podcast that we're going to bring out one or two times a month. All the details are on the the site about that. $30 a year, $3 a month. It's a way to help support the site, support AFTN, help us to continue to bring the excellent coverage of the Whitecaps and the local soccer scene to you. So please check that out and and help support us at AFTN. And check us out on Mixler as well um, for the odd game. Check Twitter to see when we're broadcasting. Yeah, we've been broadcasting live on Mixler. That is mixlr.com backslash AFTN but anyway until next time on the AFTN Soccer Show as always thanks for listening take care and mon the caps going to your first match is an experience you never forget the atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>